Well, 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 what do we have today? We have an interview uh, with cinematographer Josh Bernales based out of Vermont. Uh, I wanted to reach out to Josh because I saw um, his sort of progression. You know, if you look at his Instagram um, and also when you listen to the podcast episode, Josh talks about uh, starting off as a landscape photographer, doing that for a couple of years and then uh, eventually moving into the world of, of video production. And uh, it's always it was always interesting to listen to other people's journeys, how they start. Some people go to film school. Some people don't go to film school. Some people um, work just a regular job, you know, whatever it is. And then, you know, later on in, in their career, later on in their life, they find um, photography, they find uh, video production, maybe it's music videos, right? And it sort of um, creates a domino effect into uh, into the later stages of their um, of their career. But it's always great to see how people get started and sort of like that little... Um, mysterious journey right that i think many of us including myself when when i first started out i had no idea how um how or what or where or when to start uh, any of those things right and so i sort of had to um figure it out myself you know it's sort of like stumbling upon um the world of cinematography and the world of filmmaking and um having that goal in mind, uh, sometimes we have to start out with just certain things, you know, maybe it's shooting weddings, maybe it's shooting events, or it's doing um, free branded content, such as, you know, what Josh did uh, for for the beginning stages of his career. And uh, definitely take a look at Josh's Instagram, take a look at his website, I'll have those links in the in the show notes so you guys can check it out. Um, because you can you can see the progression, right? And even if you look at, um, let's say, like my Instagram, and you look at the progression, it's, it's always... I think inspiring to see how, you know, sometimes we start off and we're just shooting just super basic stuff because we have, you know, I know what we're doing in the beginning, you know, maybe some of us do. I, I certainly did it. It was just sort of, okay, you know, how, how do I just get started? Right. And then flying, finding clients and building a production company. Josh talks about that too. Um, building a production company with his wife and sort of like the dynamics that go into um, owning and operating a production company as, as husband and wife and uh, some of the challenges. And also we talk about cinematography as well um, with his uh, latest um, film uh, called uh, The Rickety Man and sort of like a horror thriller movie. Um, but if you look at the the trailer, I mean, just you know, beautiful images, right? Beautiful cinematography. So we talk about that. We talk about um, camera selection and, and gear and, and all that sort of thing. And also kind of like how he view, views um, uh, views the role through the lens of cinematography. So hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Josh Bernales. <laughs> it was Josh. Yeah, thanks again for coming on the show, man. Um, could you, uh, for, for people who, who may not know who you are or aren't familiar with with your work, can you kind of give us a little a little brief uh, rundown of, of who you are, where you're based, and, and the type of work that you do? Uh, yeah, g'day. I'm uh, Josh Brunellas. Uh, I'm based up in Burlington, Vermont, so way up north. Uh, but I'm not originally from here. I grew up in New Zealand, and I uh, moved here in tw- 2016. So I've been here a little over five years now. Um, and yeah, I'm a cinematographer. Um, didn't start out that way though. I started off in photography and sort of found video and then realized that I much prefer the moving image than the still image. Uh, but in saying that, I still love photography, but it's just more of a hobby than anything else. Um, but yeah, that's basically been it. Nice, man. And I guess what was what was some of some of the um, if there were any kind of inspirational moments or key moments when you went from from photography to video? Was it someone had asked you to do some video work or were you just, you know, messing around with video and, and you kind of fell in love with that, that path over, over time? 
Uh, that's a great question. I think um, it really started for me when I was actually, because I was doing landscape photography when I first started. Um, so I moved here in 2016 and I was doing landscape photography for about a year or two in New Zealand before I moved here. And then uh, I sort of got into weddings with my wife. She's a full-time wedding photographer and had been for some time when I moved here. And sort of got into that with her and was really enjoying that. And then I actually started, because winters up in Vermont here are just insane. It's like so cold. <laughs> it's just like, just like a winter, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just horrible out there. So I was just like trying to motivate myself during winter. Um, so I actually started a little landscape photography vlog on YouTube, um, just sort of taking my camera out and be like, hey guys, let's go film some and photograph some frozen waterfalls, that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty fun, um, but I like challenged myself to post a vlog uh, every Sunday for pretty much the whole winter. So that like got me out shooting a lot more throughout the winter. And then we did a couple of uh, road trips out west. Um, to places like Death Valley and Trona Pinnacles and um, those sorts of places. And I did vlogs there too. And I think like, actually the, the, the biggest change for me in that was I sent my videos to my uh, siblings back in New Zealand. And my eldest sister said, hey, you know what? I actually prefer watching the videos than seeing the photos. <laughs> so and, and the, in the nicest sense, uh, but um, it kind of like made me think about um, the the filming aspect of it more and then realizing that I actually preferred shooting the videos, even though they are absolutely shocking, <laughs> those first few videos. Because <laughs> I didn't really know what I was doing that much. Um, and I had just like a little little Canon point and shoot sort of thing. Um, but yeah, so that sort of triggered my journey into filmmaking. And then um, that was uh, winter 2018, I think, like late 2017, early 20, 2018. So throughout that year, most of that year, I sort of spent doing the vlogs and stuff. And there's a, there's a fair amount on there. They're actually still on my YouTube channel if you want to watch some uh, cringy original videos. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and then from there, I, uh, I was, one of my close friends, Micah Dudash, and um, also Will Stevenson, they had a, a, a production company here in, in Burlington. And uh, they had been friends with my wife for quite a long time through the wedding industry. Um, but they were doing like killer work, so I obviously we're already friends, so I was able to get on some sets with them and be like PA and just help out and just sort of watch what they were doing on set. Um, and obviously their their work like really resonated with me, so that was like a really, I think a big step in my career, like working alongside those dudes and seeing what they were doing and just sort of getting inspired. Um, and then basically I've always been the type of person to just like shoot all the time. So I'm always going out and shooting like just random stuff. Like when I was starting out, just shooting stuff in nature or thinking about compositions and framing and things like that, just out and wherever I didn't have like any talent or any um, whatever like that people to shoot. I was just shooting nature and whatever else. So yeah, I think like one of the key things is just to, just to keep shooting as much as you can, just to keep practicing and like honing those skills. Um, and then, yeah, do you want me to continue on to further? Like, yeah, well, years? actually, I, yeah, well, I, you know, I just, I just had a, a, like a, a question when, when, uh, before, when you got into photography, was it something that you just picked up on your own and you, and you were kind of self-taught or, or did you, you know, did you like take any, any like photography classes or anything like that? Uh, no, I think like, so I had like a little point and shoot when I was like, uh, 
maybe 22 or something maybe uh and i was, I was doing like so my, my background is like cycling and all that sort of car so i've always worked in like a bike shop and did a lot of road cycling and stuff and we did like a little like like bike packing tour around new zealand at one point i had a little point and shoot and yeah i was just basically shooting on that trip and that was fun and then i didn't think about it for another couple of years um or for another year or so and then i bought i was like one day i was just like you know what screw it i bought us like a 6d no a 70d was my first camera like a canon 70d and uh started shooting some landscapes and then graduated to a 6d and i was like this camera's huge it's full frame it's crazy like <laughs> it was a good time <laughs> um and yeah i was just shooting landscapes and basically my life consisted of like work i was working nine to five in a bike shop um which was super fun and then um i was part of like a meditation school and then outside of that i was just going to the beaches every day after sun after after work like catching sunsets um, not so much sunrises because I was lazy in the morning, but every night, because I was probably 15, 20 minutes from the West Coast in the North Island of New Zealand. So I was just sunsets every night, just hanging out at the beach, like playing awesome music on my headphones, getting inspired and just playing around with long exposures and whatever else. And yeah, it was just a really good time. Uh, but yeah, so just self-taught and watching YouTube and following other people on Instagram and stuff like this is when Instagram wasn't as big i guess you know sort of five six years ago yeah landscape definitely definitely has changed and i mean speaking of landscapes too you know in in new zealand you must have some killer you know sunsets and just you know scenery to to be able to photograph oh yeah new zealand's like the mecca it's like you know it's it's such a small country but it's so diverse there's like pretty much any type of uh landscape you could think of um yeah up in the north island and south island everywhere it's just crazy it's pretty amazing i definitely uh definitely miss it a lot that's awesome man yeah and and you know moving i guess kind of uh as you were as you were you know progressing through um going in going more into 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 video content and in video production what was was there was there a moment where where you kind of you know i think because we all kind of get to that that uh, first initial step of, of okay, I, like I want to be able to uh, to do video content either as a videographer or maybe you know you have aspirations to be a DP or, or a cinematographer. Can you talk uh, a little bit about like how um, how you went about uh, uh, deciding like like what kind of gear you needed in the very beginning, or was it kind of just like I'm just gonna use whatever I have and, and just go from there? Uh, yeah, so actually, I I sort of transitioned through weddings a little bit. I um. I was already doing photography alongside my wife and then I had those vlogs going on um, and then helping uh, occasionally with my buddies here locally. And then I started, I did a couple of wedding films. Um, so that kind of uh, decided initially on like what sort of camera sort of setup I was going to go for, which was the GH5. Because, um, you know, Ibis and it's just like a little beast of a camera, especially back then. So I spent a lot of time with that camera. Um, doing a few weddings and then I, I uh, went to a local gym here. My wife went to a local gym here. So I had access to like a, um, basically a little boxing gym. So I was able to film like a couple of uh, smaller projects just like basically for free, you know, just like practicing and stuff like that. So I had that camera then for those. Um, and then like, as I got more involved in the industry and like research more and more, like the ultimate goal was a cinema camera with like you know built-in nds and things like that just better ergonomics and stuff um so i wasn't quite there yet but then i went to a pocket 4k 
Um, and I had two of those for probably almost two years, I guess. Um, and I shot so much on those things, like <clears throat> they're just amazing little cameras. And I, they never skipped a beat and the image is great. Um, I feel like they're still probably the best entry-level camera for, for people to get into it. Just at the price point, you know, like $1,300 is crazy. And then you get DaVinci with it as well. Um, and then, yeah, then eventually uh, I got tired of those. I sort of, I guess I sort of outgrew them a little bit. I was really wanting internal NDs and stuff. And then uh, the FX6 was announced. So I put a pre-order in for that. Um, and I've had that now since March this year, I think it was. March, April, somewhere around there. Um, and that thing's just like, you know, everyone's like, oh, but it doesn't have raw, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, I don't need raw for anything at this stage. Um, and it's just been a bit of a game changer camera for me. Uh, mostly in terms of like the ergonomics and the, I found the image just like, I don't know, the image just suits suits my, my needs perfectly. Um, and then, yeah, then I have an FX3 to go alongside that. Um, but yeah, that's basically the camera journey, I guess. So GH5, Pocket 4K, then uh, FX6, FX3. Nice, man. Yeah, for the most part, do you do? You, uh, are those the two cameras that you use most of the time for your work, or or are there still um, certain projects where you know, say, if you're working with like like a large agency or just a, a certain client, where they request like a certain a certain um, a certain look or a certain type of camera, you know, do you ever like venture off into into the world of like you know, airy cameras or like Reds or or even Canon? You know, does it kind of just depend on like where? Um, where you are, where you are in the world, do you, do you feel like that's more that's more of a thing? Where you know, necessarily, if you say if you own like a a like 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 an FX six, but certain times, where, depending on where you are in the world, a client may ask for like an Alexa or for a Red or for you know some other Canon cam, camera or like a Sony camera. Have have you ever worked with any of the other uh, camera systems in, in that regards with like different clients and different agencies? Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I do get hired through uh, an agency. Um, out in Colorado, and they've they've specifically hired me for specific projects that have suited the FX6 too. Um, so I do get do get work alongside having that camera, obviously alongside other things too. But uh, that's helped. But yeah, there's been projects I've shot with them where uh, for the project it's better to, been better to have a, an Alexa with anamorphic. So definitely shot on those, um, and then also um, other dock work where I've used a, a Aria mirror. Um, which is a bit of a, a brute of a camera, but obviously it's pretty amazing. So does it does the job perfectly. Um, I haven't shot on any reds actually. I don't think at all. I think uh, one job I was on a friend had a Komodo, and I shot a couple of frames on the gimbal on that thing. But um, definitely not uh, into that red world at this stage. And I I don't know. They've just never really interested me that much. Um, and then I've shot a couple of. Um, short films and we shot those on the Ursa Mini so I was obviously comfortable with the Blackmagic uh, side of things coming from the Pocket 4K so it was a pretty, pretty easy transition jumping straight into those cameras um, but yeah yeah, so a good, good, good array of cameras thus far except for, except for the old Reds. In your experience using different types of cameras um, especially when in, in the world that we're in now with you know, the sensors being so good and, and you know, so much detail and, and being so clean, have you seen any kind of, I guess, like huge difference between 
the the systems and the sensors that you've worked with compared to like your FX6, or do you feel like right now in this role the FX6 definitely can compete with um, some of the more higher priced uh, camera sensors? Yeah, that's always such a tough question. I feel like because you know, obviously the sensors are there's a certain level of sensor that's great, but it's uh, it always comes down to more about the framing and the lighting and things like that. But at the end of the day, the sensors are getting so close and the FX6 is just, I feel like it's constantly blowing me away. And then you have the FX9, which is another step up from that. But there's always, there's definitely, there's definitely an edge with the, uh, the RE cameras for sure. Like, you know, you sort of look back at the footage and it just has this, I don't know what the feel is. I'm not going to say like, like it feels like filmic or anything like that, but it just, it just feels like a little different. It has like a more organic sort of feel to it. Um, but the FX6 is so close and the FX9. Um, you know, the most, most people aren't going to be able to tell that aren't in the industry, like, you know, what camera or what sensor it was shot on. Um, as long as you're lighting things and framing things in a, in an impactful way that suits the project, you know? Right. Yeah. No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, and I guess kind of, you know, skipping a beat and, and you know, we've been talking a lot about, about gear and I think a lot of people are kind of interested in, in that sort of thing, but you know, um, yeah, I definitely wanted to kind of get your perspective on, um, basically kind of how you, uh, I guess, you know, through, through your work, through cinematography, like, do you, do you feel that when you are taking on a project, say it's like a commercial, um, or like a short form, uh, a short form type of content for, for a client, for agency, how do you view, um, the world in that regard when it comes to, um, like commercial cinematography, you know, like, do you feel like you kind of, um, look at the world a certain way and then that's how you frame things that's how you light things and and then your clients also like that type of um, perspective as well that's a that's a very tough question there david <laughs> <laughs> i'm always asking um, tough ones man yeah yeah um yeah i'm not sure i guess um i my imagination goes pretty wild so you know even when we're talking in the earlier processes through like what the client's looking for and um, that sort of stuff. I'm just like, my imagination is just off running on like ideas for framing and stuff like that. And then, you know, when you get into the scene, you know, a lot of my work has been more sort of, uh, branded documentary stuff. So there's not a lot of, not, not usually a lot of scouting. Um, I'll usually try and get out for a scout if I can, or get some photos from the client. Um, but a lot of it's on the day. So you're basically going in and then sort of figuring out what you can't control in the scene for the first thing, you know, if it's indoors, like what windows are around that you can't control for, or, um, you know, it also comes down to being prepared with lighting so you can have enough control to not blow everything out in the scene sort of thing. Um, and then outside it's really just, you just, uh, <laughs> you're basically, uh, it's controlled by nature really. So, um, finding like, the best uh, position to have the camera in that's going to produce the uh, nicest sort of looking frame. You know, like where's the sun? Like I typically would like to backlight things or side light with diffusion or something. Or, you know, it's, with the dynamic range of the camera sensors these days, it's pretty easy to just like backlight stuff and then maybe add like a little bit of wrap or something or just depending on the situation. And a lot of our stuff is, is just me and my wife. So it's we have a... A small production company here in Burlington. It's, a lot of it's just her and myself just running around, <laughs> you know. We, we we can occasionally bring on like a gaffer or something, and when we can, that's amazing. Um, that's just specifically for the jobs we do around here. But 
yeah, a lot of it's just really, really documentary style. And then um, for other projects like short films and stuff, um, like this recent one, The Rickety Man, uh, my gaffer and I, Michael, um, both went down and scouted for a day at the location that we we're going to be spending a lot of time indoors. We weren't able to scout the out- we weren't able to scout the outdoor scenes just because it was for time restrictions. But we were able to spend like a good chunk of time inside the mansion that we were spending three days in shooting nighttime scenes. So we were able to figure out like how we wanted to tent out the outside to 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 shoot throughout the day, you know, rather than going throughout the night because we had a, a nine year old actor and we couldn't we we also didn't want to do it, but we couldn't uh, put her through like a whole lot of nighttime shooting. Um, so yeah, like scouting was is really important. Um, as much of that sort of pre-production stuff you can do, the better, um, just because you go into the day and obviously things are going to change all the time, but you go in with much more of a clearer plan and that just opens up space in your head to to adjust and um, make things better on the day, you know, when you come up with challenges. Yeah, definitely. I, I actually, I wanted to talk about uh, the Rickety Man because, I mean, it looks really, really good. Everything that, I mean, I've only, I've only saw like the, uh, the trailer um, for it, but I mean, it looks, it looks super clean, super polished. Could you um, talk a little bit about the um, in, in going into pre-production when you're working with the director? Can you talk a little bit about the, um, I guess, like the mood and the tone? Obviously, it, it's a um, thriller, horror movie type of type of um, film, um, which you know I think for the most part they they all kind of have a, a similar look. But you know, with 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 you going on onto the project, can you talk a little bit about um, what your ideas were when you when you were talking to the director about the like the mood and tone. Did he offer any kind of uh, reference images? Did you bring reference images or like a, or like a mood board or or a lookbook to kind of uh, create the the mood and tone for the for the film? Yeah. So uh, yeah, the rookie man, the director is uh, Cameron Gallagher, and uh, we had worked on a. a a very short short uh, the, the year previous um, uh, I actually I'm just completely forgetting the name of that right now just uh, mind blank right there <laughs> but that was basically like a you know like an eight-hour shoot um, um, and like everything changed the day before so this one going to this one um, we definitely had I mean he's on a, a bunch of other shorts but yeah we had uh, inspiration mood boards all that sort of stuff so one of the biggest inspirations was um, the Witch, the uh, the A twenty four movie, um, pretty uh, pretty intense movie, but it's awesome, awesome vibe and the tones and everything. Um, so that was a, definitely an inspiration, like especially the nighttime scenes with the candles and stuff. Um, and then also <clears throat> there was another movie, but I can't remember the name of it right now. Um, but yeah, we went back and forth a ton, and then he scouted a bunch of different mansions and locations around the upstate New York area. Um, so he had that really dialed in. And then also it's a period piece, so he was having to deal with a lot of uh, costumes, and which the costumes are crazy. It ate up a ton of the budget, um, also the location, but it's such an important part to, to really sell the era that the film's shot in. Um, and then, yeah, also like little things like when we're scouting, we're, we're really trying to figure out whether we wanted to add like a moonlight through the windows and things like that, because it was, like, some, a lot of the movie is at night. Um, we ultimately decided on not going for uh, any sort of light coming through the windows because I don't know, I just, I don't feel like I've ever, you know, it can be done really well, but I don't think I've ever really vibed with that as much as just leaving it uh, sort of dark, blacked out. And it also helped us a lot um, being able to just like 
tent out all the windows for the day scenes because it was a small crew and pretty limited with time. So we were able to just sort of black out the whole three rooms that we used throughout those three days to just comfortably shoot in um, for our nighttime scenes. Um, <clears throat> and then one of the next challenges was uh, how we were going to light the nighttime scenes because there was so much candle. So um, I, I basically opted for bringing in more candles. We just brought a ton of candles and had, had a bunch of like, you know, you know, using, instead of using practical lamps, we just had practical candles uh, all around the place. And then we used uh, a lot of those little aperture MC lights. Um, and then uh, my gaffer like wrapped those with uh, some muslin. And they just like worked really well. And we even used like the candle mode on them and stuff. And it was, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Like being able to sort of try and hide those on the tables next to the candles um, just to, to amplify that light a little bit. Because um, we were shooting on an Ursa Mini, so locked at 800 ISO. I don't really want to go much higher than that, just because of the noise and stuff like that that gets comes into the image. Um, and then, yeah, yeah, that's basically. I think I've sort of gone off on a little bit of a tangent there, talking about the lighting, but. <laughs> Which is not a problem at all. I mean, we all we all love you know like the lighting because I, I feel you know just looking at if everyone looks at the trailer. I mean, it looks there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of layers to it. There's a lot of um, intentionality to it, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with like choices of, of you know, lighting something versus, or, or I guess the difference is, is um, making something look not lit, even though you have, you know, probably a lot of lights, a lot of frames, a lot of like neg, mm -hmm. things like that, you yeah. know, or, are there any kind of, um, were, were, are there any kind of tricks that you brought from previous experiences or maybe things that you kind of were playing around with on the day that, um, you can share uh, with with our audience when you, in regards to like lighting or framing or just you know little little like kind of kind of tricks of the trade that that you have learned um, over over your years. Um, not a ton, honestly. Like we did because I mean this is I haven't been doing this for for too long, so this is like my second short film. Um, and I think one thing we did do I did it with my gaffer is I went over to his garage, you know, and we we actually like lit up a bunch of candles and. We, we definitely played around with how the little Aperture MCs and a few different lights were going to look. So then we, when we went into that the week after we did those tests, we sort of knew roughly how they would look and how they would uh, react on camera. Um, so that was a huge thing that helped us a lot. Um, and then just like with creating depth, like, you know, I was just every scene I was really just going through the look of like how I can create more depth, you know, even push it. I'm not sure if there's a scene in there or not, but... Uh, like the scene with uh, him and his day study with like the light coming through the window. Um, there's a few scenes like that that we actually added on. Um, but even just like little things like pushing through on the dolly, like pushing through a doorway to create like more depth and stuff into the image. And then like the the, the positioning of uh, the camera to his um, his study, his desk. So it's like it's not straight on or... You know, it's on an angle, and then we have the light coming through the window. Then we also have the the fireplace going. So just all these different elements that you can add into a different scene, uh, into one scene, um, just to give it more depth and, you know, not to distract the eye, but to like sort of draw the eye into the into the into the actor's face there. Um, and it's the same with like I guess there's not too much in the trailer, but um, it's the same with even the outdoor scenes. You know, like creating depth with uh, what you have in the scene. And so it's like really hard to 
to give tips on that but when you're outside because it's different everywhere but um i think depth is one of the most important things um with creating a, a compelling frame yeah, hundred uh, percent. When you were talking with with Cameron uh, during pre production, uh, when it came to because uh, many times the lenses end up uh, making up a lot of the image uh, next to the lighting and the sensor. Um, was what was it? That, what was that discussion like when you were talking about uh, what kind of lenses that you wanted um, the uh, the film to have? You know, what kind, what kind of look did you were going for versus like you know spherical versus anamorphic, and then and then what lenses did you end up um, uh, settling upon? Yeah, so we actually, we did want to shoot on uh, anamorphics um, just because the look is really awesome and stuff. But to be honest, like a lot, so much of the budget had to had to go towards the costume and the locations and all that sort of stuff. So we didn't have the biggest budget for lenses. So we actually, um, my buddy uh, here, Galen, he has a, a nice set of contacts, uh, Zeiss vintage lenses. So we had shot on those before with that previous short film. So we actually just opted to use those again. Um, I didn't have an AC on this project, so I was, you know, pulling focus and all that sort of stuff myself, like on all the dolly shots and whatever else. So I knew that I was comfortable uh, racking focus on those myself. Um, so that was a big, big deciding factor there too. Um, and I just really like how they render, you know, that and they have a faster aperture too. So on those darker scenes, I was able to open up a little bit wider um, and still retain uh, a solid image uh, without it falling apart. Um, so yeah, we went for the context size. Nice, very nice, very nice. Um, and then yeah, I mean the the whole thing just looks again. Is is the uh, is the film going to to festivals or or is it on is it on uh, is it gonna be released like Vimeo or some other uh, like streaming platform uh, anytime soon? Um, I was actually talking to to the director about it the other day. I think we've got into like maybe seven or eight or so different uh, festivals so far. Um, so. I haven't had a film in a festival before, so I don't really know how it all works, but um, super excited to see how it does and uh, the, the, you know, the reaction from the crowd and stuff and things like that. But it, it will be getting released, I think he was mentioning like spring next year, but I don't know. That seems like really far off to me. I just want to, I want to get it out to the public <laughs> as soon as possible, but because, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things we shot back in early summer and it's like, ah, oh, I just want to release this thing already because I just like, I'm like pretty stoked on how it came out you know right yeah uh, how many um how many days uh, did you guys uh shoot the film over so we shot on five for f- five days we had uh three days inside the mansion then we had two exterior days um and there's one exterior days or one exterior shot there specifically or sequence at a cemetery which um that's just like <laughs> it was it was one of those moments where this all fell together like cam and zach uh, zach the producer had like they're local down there at Upset New York and they'd, I think they'd driven past or when there was location scouting and they saw this cemetery and it was like this really nice little grassy, like small hill and there's like this massive um, statue type thing like up in the middle. It was just like, for lack of a better word, and I, I'm just not even going to say that word because I don't like it anymore, but it's just like, it's like a really epic scene. Um, and we, we rolled up there at the end of one of our last days of shooting outside and we we're like, we should definitely try and get the cemetery scene. Let's go take a look because we hadn't seen it. And uh, Michael and I pulled up and we were just like, what the, <laughs> like it was so epic. And there was like moody clouds and there was like wind. And it was a scene where like um, Edward, the father, like walks up and he's, uh, this is his wife's grave. Um, so like 
he walks up and there's just like these moody clouds that are moving really fast. So it looks like it's almost like the clouds are sped up, which is epic. And then there's like his hair is like flailing in the wind because it's like really windy. And it's just like this epic emotional um, roller coaster of a scene. But it's just the, yeah, the images came out really cool just purely because of the, um, just the weather that we had that day was so great. And how did you guys get, I mean, because I've never shot in a cemetery before. Like, I, I don't even know how you, how you go about getting access to some something like that. So this is like, uh, you know, middle of farmland, upstate New York. Uh, and the cemetery was like, literally, this is the best part about it too. It was like literally on the side of the road and there was no fencing. No, it was just an open field with some graveyards, just some gravestones. So it like, I don't know, it was like perfect for the movie. It just worked out that way. Nice, nice. That's yeah, always that's great. always a great time when you know there's yeah, no fencing, yeah, yeah. there's no one around. You're like, hmm, this might be a good a good a good chance just to get the shot. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You'll see it, and I think there's like one little clip of it in the in the trailer, but you'll see it in the in the short. Ah, very cool, very cool. Yeah, I, I guess, and you know, uh, going back to um, you know being able to to be multifaceted, doing um, short films, doing branded branded doc, doing branded content. Is there is there um, uh, a, a preference of, of what you prefer or, or is it all pretty much the same as, as far as um, like, you know, wh- uh, what excites you and what inspires you c- compared to doing like, you know, commercial work to, to narrative stuff? So I think that's, uh, I mean, that's where I'm at right now in my career. I'm really trying to figure out what I prefer because I've sort of been uh, tasting a, a bunch of different uh, avenues. Um, I think Ultimately, like, I really love documentary. Um, I think I've always been fascinated um, since I was a kid, you know, like I haven't, I wasn't doing this when I was younger, but I've always been fascinated about hearing people's stories and just like observing people and things like that. So I think documentaries in that respect, I'm super interested in. Um, But then I also like after doing these, uh, especially the Rickety Man, having control over each scene and lighting each scene, I was I was just having a really good time. It was like, oh my God, I can make the scene look how I want it to look. This is amazing. <laughs> Instead of just like, just running with whatever I can get in the scene, you know, um, with a couple of hands. Um, so yeah, I think like, I'd love to just start doing some more narrative uh, and I'd love to get more into the commercial space um, and try that, try that a little more. Um, but I think branded docs are just, I don't know, I think I'll always love them, but I'd love to do uh, a more of a longer form documentary, you know, like with a with a, a big crew. Um, I guess ultimate goal would be Netflix, <laughs> maybe, but we'll see. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Hey, I'm, I'm yeah. right there. I'm right there with you, Josh. Yeah, um, that'd be crazy. Yeah, it, it was- I know, right? Um, and you, for for anyone who maybe who's who's out there listening, uh, that also is kind of in the same situation where you know you and your wife have have a have a local production company. Um, were there any kind of challenges that you um, that you faced early on, and even now too, that you were able to uh, navigate around? You know, just kind kind of having like that that dynamic between you know uh, husband and wife, but now you know it's also like you know business time, husband and wife um, sort of dynamic. Are there any any kind of challenges that 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 you faced that early on? Uh, you mean like in the relationship or in the business? On, on the business side. Yeah. I mean, were there things where, where it's kind of, you know, maybe you, you go back home and you're, you're talking about things, you know, and you know, how we're supposed to make this work or, you know, how, how are you supposed to get clients and, and sort of like the journey or, you know, can you, can you talk about more, I guess, about like the, the, prog- the progression path, like the journey you guys have had together? Yeah. Um, so I think like there's a, 
there was one specific uh, like branded doc that we did for uh, a couple of our friends that actually own a bagel store downtown here. Um, so I'd done like, I've been helping out my buddies for a little while and um, I was just sort of really wanting to do something for ourselves to, um, well, there wasn't actually a specific goal to start a production company initially, but we shot this short documentary for them and um, it got quite a bit of reach locally here and Honestly, since we did that, like we did that for free. Um, and since we did that, it's just been kind of like, I guess, kind of like a snowball effect. Like, we had a couple of other people locally reach out to us and say, oh, hey, we saw this video on Instagram. Like we really liked it. We'd love something similar for our business. Um, and then from there, we just uh, have just been gradually growing. Um, and we also, one of our clients locally here um, that we've been documenting uh the build of this electric aeroplane since 2019. Um, so that's, uh, that's that's specifically a retainer client. Um, <clears throat> and it's just been a crazy journey. Like we filmed when the plane didn't exist, like physically until now we're like test flying a plane around Burlington in the skies, fully electric. Um, so yeah, we have uh, the like retainer client, <clears throat> them as a retainer client and then just like a few other clients that are, are uh, somewhat recurring, but I, I definitely feel like having retainer clients is is a is a wise choice if you can try and get into a into that situation just to have sort of like the constant income, you know, um, because you never know when like unless you 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 can pitch all the time, but you never know when you're going to actually land clients. Um, and then we also still do weddings, so my wife still photographs weddings, and I still do you know, four or five maybe weddings, wedding films a year. Obviously nothing last year because of, you know what, but um, the, I think like weddings are, are really great as well for people to start out in. Like, it's like the ultimate documentary setting. Like if you can uh, get through a wedding day and, and crush it, like you're going to learn so much. Um, there's a lot of people that sort of say bad things towards weddings, but honestly, like I'm not sure why. When it's like it's like a really great uh, area to sort of like really hone in your documentary skills. Obviously, you don't want to go in and just do like a terrible job because it's someone's really special day. But uh, you got to have some sort of experience. But um, yeah, I think I think they're great. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I I shot my 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 fair share of weddings too, and 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 like you said, it's a great uh, training ground, you know, um, to be able to uh, have like kind of like the ultimate documentary. Uh, space scenario location where you literally have to think on your toes your toes every every second every minute you know things are changing things are dynamic things are fast you it teaches you how to work fast i, th- I think in in a in a very um in a very concise way um when shooting weddings or whether that be video or or photos um uh, definitely and i guess you know if anything do you have do you have any kind of um words of wisdom or, or like a piece or any kind of piece of advice even though there's like 10 billion you know, opinions or pieces of pieces of advice that you can give to someone um, starting out who who maybe is is uh, wanting to look into cinematography specifically, um, but doesn't know where to start. Yeah, I think like um, I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier too about just like always shooting. So you know, one thing I've done um, in the last few years is I've you know I've, I've like shot projects or just whatever like going out in nature and all that sort of stuff but I've always been posting on um, places like Instagram and so as much as these apps like suck like ultimately <laughs> it's like 
I think it's so important to have that presence. Um, so like, you know, shooting whatever you can shoot and posting it and sharing it and just being like vocal about um, like who you are and what you are or what you're aspiring to be in this industry um, is pretty important. And then like making genuine connections, um, you know, not, not, not just trying to reach out to people just to try and get work or whatever, but just actually making friends. Like there's so many awesome people in this industry that are just like kick-ass people, you know? So it's really... It's been really awesome, like making so many new friends, like through this industry, and then sometimes that leads to work, and sometimes it doesn't. But that's that shouldn't be the ultimate goal, you know. Um, and then uh, things like you know your podcast and other podcasts are awesome. Like I'm constantly listening to podcasts. Um, you know, everyone knows of this guy, but uh, I actually can't remember his name. The Wandering DP. What's his? Oh yes, yeah. What's his name again? What's his name again? Uh, Patrick, Patrick O'Sullivan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I haven't had any, uh, traditional schooling or anything, but I've purchased, uh, some of his classes, like his cinematography classes. Um, and just like other education I did, there's a school out here in Maine, uh, the Maine media workshops. They do like really awesome, uh, filmmaking courses from, they have cinematographers on, they have documentary filmmakers on. And I took a cinematography course, uh, middle of last year, like while we're in lockdown, um, and there was a cinematographer on there. Uh, we spent like a day or two for four weeks uh, in the evenings. And he had like projects and stuff and like homework for us to do. And that was like really good. Like, I think I got a lot from these, uh, from that, specifically from that course. Um, so I, I definitely would say like invest back in yourself, like through education. Like there's so many different awesome avenues now to do that. Um, and more recently I purchased the, that Mark Bone uh, guy up in Canada, I purchased his like art of documentary course. Um, we've watched a handful of videos through that so far and it's been awesome. Um, but yeah, just education, uh, posting stuff online and just constantly shooting, just constantly learning and uh, finding who your inspirations are and trying to like sort of uh, recreate scenes and things like that, yeah. Nice, man. Well, new Josh, thanks again for, for being, on, being on the podcast. I really appreciate, you know, your insight and being able to kind of get a little, a little, a little taste of, of how, uh, how your journey has, has been and, and where, where it's going. And, and I definitely appreciate your time, man. Yeah. Awesome, David. Thanks. Thanks a ton for having me on. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Josh Bernalas. Big thanks for Josh for coming on to the podcast and sharing his his journey with us. Um, at the end of the day, you know, I think it goes uh, it goes without saying that as, as long as you have a a, um, a a passion, you know, for for something, it could even just be going out and taking landscape photos. It could be, you know, uh, waking up in the morning, taking sunrise photos or, or taking sunset photos or going to the park because there's this really you know beautiful park where you live and, and you just love like the the atmosphere and you love taking pictures right it could even be something as simple as that that turns into a um a career choice that turns into the opportunity for you to uh, want to be be better right and and i think for for many of us out there that's sort of um, I think that's sort of what we're chasing, right? Is is a, how do I actually make a living? How do I create some kind of business model based upon my love for for photography, for uh, for filmmaking, for cinematography, right? And so hopefully uh, this episode with Josh kind of inspired you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, it definitely inspired me too, you know, because similar similar journey, and um, 
And it's always great, again, just to hear other people's journey. So uh, I did tell you guys I would have an interview episode coming out. I'm hope hopefully I'll have at least maybe two, three more <laughs> before before the end of the year. I definitely hope so, you know. Um, so if there's anyone that um, there's so many great, great people out there, you know, and it's just about you know, reaching out to them and and, and uh, figuring out everyone's schedule, right? It's always the hard part. Uh, let's see what is else. We're we're getting to the late end of October, right? The end, the ending stretch of October. You got two months left of of the year, which is crazy, you know. I think every year I say this though, right? Every year I say, man, this year went by fast, right? And every year goes by fast, but I feel like this year it went by. I don't know. I say that too. Every year I feel like. I see the same thing. Oh, this year went by even faster, right? So uh, who knows? Maybe I'm just getting older. I have no idea. Who knows how time works? Maybe we're all just in the matrix. Ooh, who is excited for matrix revolutions, right? I've been like, I've been all my all my off time, been watching these, um, what is it called? I think it's called Matrix Explained. It's like a YouTube channel. And literally they just have videos on like, <laughs> like the matrix um, world and, and like the, the mythology of the matrix and stuff like that. I've been going down the rabbit hole, man. I've been going down the rabbit hole. Uh, but excited for Matrix. Dune is coming out in two weeks. Excited for Dune. Um, I still need to go watch James Bond. Uh, one of my friends uh, watched it last week or this past opening weekend. He said, really good. Definitely got to watch that. Uh, we got the Marvel. We got the MCU movies coming out uh, this end of this year. Uh, and there's, there's a lot of good stuff, you know. Um, so anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you uh, enjoyed it in any way, please rate it on iTunes podcast. I would appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast as always. Just you're notified of new content coming out every week. And uh, I will catch you guys in the next podcast episode. Bye-bye.